Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Milwaukee Magazine once described Walter Paul Minx as slender and fidgety with, quote, the kind of sharp-featured handsomeness that the movies had taught people not to trust. He was German-born and immigrated to Milwaukee, Wisconsin with his parents, his brother, and his sister in 1925. He aspired to be a successful American businessman. He wanted to make a fortune and a name for himself. He did make a name for himself, but not quite as he'd hoped. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarki. And I'm Holly Fry. While Walter's formal education ended after seventh grade, he's been described as having, quote, an intuitive mechanical brilliance from an early age. He was a natural builder and a tinkerer. He built a motorboat, a working motorboat from scratch. He also built a small plane that, according to stories from family and friends, was capable of flight. And then there was the submarine. Around the time Adolf Hitler began his European invasion, so roughly 1939, news of naval warfare was in pretty heavy rotation in American newspapers. Though the United States would not enter the Second World War until December of 1941. Walter, with his brother Kurt, had an idea to secretly salvage torpedoed naval ships and use the wrecks to build their own submarine, which they planned to use for treasure hunting. He did start to build a submarine of his own design, although not from salvaged naval ships but he abandoned the project before he finished it. But he kept that in-progress sub because he knew he could and would eventually complete it. Walter Minx was smart and ambitious, and he was also desperately looking for a way out of his debts. Any way out. On April 15, 1940, an item in the Milwaukee Journal caught his eye. It was a photo of Roland H. Davey, a middle-aged, bespectacled, and genial-looking man seated behind a desk. 
Its caption noted he was general manager of Milwaukee's Sears stores. In the photo, Davey was surrounded by employees as he distributed envelopes containing $62,000 in profit-sharing funds from the company. A few months earlier, Walter recalled, he had installed some ironwork cashier's cages in the credit department of Davey's Sears store located on North Avenue. He had since left the contracted firm to open his own ironwork business. His new shop was the reason for his dire need for money. He was having trouble securing the capital funds he needed to get his business off the ground. Walter thought Davey looked like a man with cash to spare. He decided this was how he'd fund his business. He would extort $100,000 from Davey. Over the next few weeks, Walter developed a plan, and he wrote an extortion letter. Its contents did not just demand money. He threatened to explode a bomb, two bombs, actually, inside Davey's Sears stores if he did not pay $100,000 in cash. In part, the note read, quote, At 8.30 tomorrow, a bomb will go off at Sears Northside store that is to let you know that we demand $100,000, or a bomb 200 times larger will go off at your South and Northside store. It also instructed Davey to take an ad out in the local newspaper the next day, stating, quote, Joe will be at home, RHD. That message would be a signal to the extortionists that Davey was going to pay up. Walter brought his brother Kurt and their brother-in-law, Daniel Carter, in on the scheme. Walter, it was agreed, would receive half of the $100,000 payout, while Kurt and Carter agreed to $25,000 each. Walter got to work on building the pipe bomb in his iron workshop at North 11th Street. On July 23rd, about three months after Walter had the idea, they were ready to kick things off. Kurt and Walter drove to Davy's home, where Walter exited the car near the address that he'd found in the telephone directory. He delivered the two-page, punctuation-free and written-in-all-caps letter by tossing it onto the front porch of the home, and then he quickly jumped back into the waiting car. Except it wasn't Davy's home. He had delivered it to the wrong address. Davy had recently sold the house at 2612 East Shorewood Boulevard to Milwaukee Circuit Judge William J. Shaughnessy, who, both confused and alarmed by such a letter, promptly reported the crime to police. The police, acting on the threat in the extortion letter, surveilled the North Avenue Sears the next afternoon while Kurt drove his brother to the store with the pipe bomb armed and hidden in an oil can. Because he had previously done work inside this specific store, Walter was familiar with the layout and he was able to quickly and casually stash the can in a third-floor storeroom and leave without drawing attention. The bomb went off after the store had closed, blowing a hole in a wall and damaging some merchandise, but no one was injured. Davy, though, hired a bodyguard, and security at the store was increased. We're going to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors. And when we're back, we'll talk about how this extortion plot included some interesting means of transportation. Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their Brilliant Eye Brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie, and it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's talk about the details of Walter's extortion scheme and how a submarine, an airplane, and a motorcycle fit in. The police initially remained quiet about the case, hoping that the criminal or criminals would contact Davy again. After all, there had not yet been mention of where and when the requested money drop should take place. And Walter and his associates did reach out as hoped. Davy received another extortion note. There were three notes total during this scheme, each adding another layer to the situation. This second note demanded that on Friday, July 26, Davy charter an airplane to fly from the Curtis Wright Airfield, which is now Timmerman Airport, east to the designated drop spot, which was about 10 miles out over Lake Michigan. The pilot, he assured Davy, would know where to go by following two white lights shining above the water. 
Walter planned to be in his submarine, submerged in the lake below those lights. That's right, his submarine. Walter's submarine was a seven-foot, two-meter mini-sub made to fit one person, Walter. He designed it to be powered with two batteries, conveniently the same type used in automobiles. It had a conning tower, tin can ballast tanks, and hand-operated diving fins. It also had an oxygen tank installed. There wasn't much to do to finish the submarine. Remember, he'd started it previously with the idea he'd use it for treasure hunting. It only took about a week of work in his parents' basement. When completed, Walter sat inside as Kurt poured buckets of water over the craft in the backyard. It was airtight. Its construction was fairly light, too. You only needed two people to lift it onto a trailer. Using the submarine would give Walter a better chance of escaping after collecting the cash than if the drop point was on land. At least, that's what he thought. Just 10 miles offshore, he estimated the round trip would take him about six hours. The plan was that Walter would surface, collect the floating bundle, and then resubmerge and head westward. He would transfer the cash into a watertight inner tube on his way back to shore. Once he was a few hundred feet off of Bradford Beach, he was going to scuttle the sub and swim to shore, where a car would be waiting for him. But at 9.12 p.m. on Friday, July 26th, that was the night of the drop, Davy received a phone call. The caller stated, quote, tell Mr. Davy that Joe cannot make it tonight. Will tomorrow night at the same time, and abruptly hung up. On Saturday evening, the brothers drove to the foot of Henry Clay Street, where they launched the craft into the water. Walter climbed inside, and Kurt affixed the tower. It contained the periscope. Switching on the battery-powered propeller, Walter made his way out into the lake. He then prepared his ballast. He opened a faucet connected to the submarine's outer shell and filled a pair of one-gallon cans with water from the lake. As the cans filled, he poured them into the sub's hollow keel. This would add stability and control to the craft. And in case of emergency, he and his brother had attached a 100-pound oxygen tank to the sub, which would be enough for him to stay submerged for 48 hours if needed. There was a problem with this underwater escape scheme, though. A submarine needs to be able to go below the surface of the water to be an effective submarine. By definition, they are self-supporting watercraft capable of independent operation under water. When Walter ran his initial tests, it worked. But those tests were conducted in the relatively gentle waters of Whitefish Bay, not in Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan, in comparison, had waves, turbulent waves that kept the submarine from submerging. Kurt watched from shore as the tower remained above water. Normally, as gravity pulls down a submarine, the water creates an opposite upward force known as a buoyant force, but these waves were what kept the submarine afloat. A crowd gathered, pointing at what looked like a metal buoy bobbing offshore. Police arrived, interested in what the fuss was about. The brothers reported they were, quote, hobbyists and were just heading home. Rattled by the unexpected run-in with authorities, they hid Walter's submarine at the beach, and in the moment, they forgot to contact Davy that the night drop was a wash. The police, though, had been at Davy's home waiting for the extortionists to make contact after the Friday night drop had been postponed. They had planned to disperse cruisers to follow the path of the plane through shortwave radio direction, 
But with no phone call to start the events, none of that came to pass. Walter made the executive decision that his water drop idea just was not going to work. Over the next three days, the brothers scrambled together a new plan, including writing another letter. Like the first and second notes, it too was delivered to the wrong address of 2612 East Shorewood Boulevard. Rather than hiring an airplane, the new instruction for Davy was to hire a motorcyclist to deliver the cash at a drop point in the city. But with police watching and reading the threatening letters, unknown to the brothers, it was actually a plainclothes police officer on a motorcycle who was sent to the drop location at North 36th Street and West North Avenue. So with that suspenseful moment upon us, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. When we return, we'll talk about how this story turns out to be an extortion failure. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Criminalia. We're in the part of Walter's criminal story where he's caught and incarcerated. Let's talk details. On Thursday, August 1st at 8 p.m., this is just nine days after the first extortion note was delivered, two boys, paid 30 cents each by Walter, approached the undercover officer on the motorcycle and handed him a hand-drawn map. Two unmarked police cars discreetly followed behind the bike as the motorcyclist followed the map. The directions took them all over the northwest side of the city. The motorcyclist was instructed to look for a specific fire hydrant. Tucked nearby it was another map with 
another convoluted route through the city, ending in a vacant lot with a large for sale sign. This was the drop location, and the cash was to be left beneath the sign. The money bundle, actually a dummy bag filled with paper, was left behind and the motorcyclist rode off. The officers who had followed waited for the perpetrator. And waited. Some reports suggest that by the time the brothers were planning this Plan B, the motorcycle drop, Walter was already kind of done with the whole affair, and he had considered calling the whole thing off. He did show up, though, and he circled the drop point a few times. Unaware he was being watched by the police, he left without the bundle. Though he didn't pick up the package, there was still a lot of evidence against Walter, and he was arrested the next morning. While the Minx brothers were trying to save their extortion scheme, investigators had been busy narrowing their list of suspects and reviewing evidence. Based on information from local hardware shops regarding the metal fragments left by the pipe bomb, police determined that the bomber was likely someone who worked with decorative ironwork. So they next focused on those local businesses. One specific business that had recently been contracted to install cashier's cages in the Sears store where the bombing had occurred caught their eye. There was only one man who had been on that team who now no longer worked at the firm, Walter Minks. They visited Walter's shop where they learned he'd recently been evicted. He hadn't the funds to keep up with rent. They searched his vacant workshop and removed hundreds of pounds of materials that had been left behind. And in that leftover mess, it turned out, were pieces identical to those used in the pipe bomb. The two boys who had been hired as go-betweens between the Minx brothers and Davy, and who had delivered the map to the motorcyclist, both positively identified Walter in a police lineup of seven men. One of the boys reported he had been paid a quarter to make the Friday night phone call to Davy to deliver the message that Joe couldn't make it that night. The reason for that night's delay, it was learned from them, was because there had been thunderstorms and Walter was unsure of the safety of a submarine ride in Lake Michigan in those conditions. As soon as investigators showed him the metal fragments from his shop that matched the bomb, Walter confessed. He confessed to the store bombing, he confessed to planning the extortion scheme against Davy, and he confessed to the phone call to Davy, canceling the Friday night drop. He was actually very detailed in his confession almost as though he was relieved to tell it. And he even helped a Milwaukee Journal sketch artist illustrate his submarine. To journal reporters, he asked, quote, send over a copy of the paper with this write-up in it, will you? On August 3rd, less than two weeks after the first extortion note was misdelivered, District Attorney Herbert J. Steffes issued warrants for three men accused by police of plotting to extort $100,000 from Sears store manager Roland Davey, and to abscond with it on Lake Michigan in a homemade submarine. Those three men were Walter Minx, age 23, Kurt Minx, age 27, and Daniel Carter, age 28. The police called Walter the, quote, brains of the outfit. The Minx brothers were charged jointly in two warrants, one being the principals in an extortion plot and two, malicious destruction of property by gunpowder. As described by Steffes, to be convicted on the first charge carried a punishment of one to two years imprisonment. The second carried a penalty of one to 15 years imprisonment. 
Carter was named accessory after the fact in both of the charges against the Minx brothers, and each count against him carried a punishment of up to one year imprisonment. That is, of course, all upon conviction. Bail was set at $25,000 for each of the Minx brothers. Carter's bail was initially set at $5,000, but was later reduced to $1,500. The amounts actually really didn't matter, though, because none of the conspirators could make bail and remained in jail until trial. Walter pleaded guilty to both charges. Kurt pleaded not guilty, despite having confessed his role to police the night he was arrested. Walter tried to take on the entire punishment and testified that his brother had been an unwitting participant and had committed no crime. Despite Walter's efforts, both were convicted. On August 26, which puts us roughly one month since the first extortion note was misdelivered, Walter was sentenced to 14 years and Kurt to 12. In the case of Daniel Carter, both of the brothers testified at his trial and both stated he had nothing to do with the crime. On September 20th, charges against him were dismissed. Walter was released from prison in 1946 after serving less than half of his sentence, and he started his life over. He started a new business. He got married, and we did not really expect this one, but apparently Walter was one of the first people to get involved in NASCAR. In September of 1949, Minx made the race at Langhorne Speedway. He finished 25 out of 200 laps, ending his run early due to a crash. He drove just that one time. And then in his spare time, he built a 36-foot cabin cruiser in his backyard. In a 1993 interview with the Milwaukee Journal, he admitted that it was difficult to live down what he called the, quote, misguided ambition of his young adulthood and said, quote, I am bitter for 50 years. I paid my debt to society. I was guilty. There was no question about it. But there shouldn't even have been a trial. I confessed. All my work is for naught. I'm still an ex-con. It still brings emotion. And to wrap up the story of the Minx brothers and the question that's on everyone's mind, there's no word on what became of that submarine. We're going to drink it. Are you <laughs> ready for a coercion concoction? Oh, yes, I am. Maria, did you know Wisconsin loves a drink? I've heard Wisconsin might love a beer. It's so much better than oh, that, okay. in my opinion. <laughs> Wisconsin especially loves brandy. Oh, I didn't know And that. Wisconsin has its own version of the old-fashioned. Are you kidding me? Tell me about it. Completely different than what you would order anywhere else on Earth. So a regular old-fashioned, I think our listeners know, but just in case, is bourbon, bitter, sugar, a couple of dashes of water, usually a citrus garnish. But in Wisconsin, it's a completely different drink. I had no idea. <laughs> completely different drink. The big thing that people usually note is that the Wisconsin version uses brandy instead of bourbon or another whiskey, but there are actually a lot of differences, which we are about to talk about. This is not the drink we're making, but it's close. Normally, a Wisconsin old-fashioned starts with muddled fruit. Often that's like an orange and a maraschino cherry, sometimes the cherry juice from the jar mm -hmm. with your bitters in there. And then you add in the brandy. You can give it a shake or a stir, and then it gets a dirty dump. You're not straining anything out. You, the fruit goes right along with it. Here's where it really 
diverges from an old-fashioned okay. <laughs> because then you have options. You have a choice of toppers. You can do lemon-lime soda on top, sour mix, or sometimes a more bitter soda, like a grapefruit soda. Oh, wow. Or you can do club soda, which they call press, which is short for Presbyterian. Learning so much about this drink from Wisconsin. Oh, we're not even done because <laughs> garnishes are a whole other game in this situation. So you could do, it almost seems like anything you want. If you order an old-fashioned in Wisconsin, you're going to get follow-up questions of what do you want as your <laughs> topper? What do you want? Some will ask, what do you want as your fruit that gets muddled? What do you want for your garnish? And when you get to garnish, you'll see cherries, you'll see citrus, you'll see sometimes olives, sometimes oh, wow. mushrooms, sometimes those tiny little pickles. Right. That has a whole story unto itself. And if you want to know more about why Wisconsin has its own version of the old fashioned. I'm going to refer you to someone else who wrote a book about it, which is Jeanette Hurt. She wrote a book called Wisconsin Cocktails. She also did a TEDx that's really easy to find where she explains why there is an entire other version of an old fashioned in Wisconsin than anywhere else on earth. Also, I really wanted to call this one out because in an interesting and cool move in November of 2023. So just a couple months before we're recording this, mm -hmm. the brandy old fashioned was officially made the state drink of Wisconsin. All right. So congratulations, Wisconsin. You you own your brandy old fashioned. So I wanted to do something with a brandy old fashioned, mm -hmm. but not as it's written, which also already has so many variations. But then I got to thinking about something I really love about Wisconsin. It's not cheese, which I do I love. You know that um, was my answer. Cheese. <laughs> no. Did you know that the state of Wisconsin is the largest producer of cranberries in the United States? No, no. Being from New England, I never would have guessed that. Yes. There's even like a thing called, I think it's called the Cranberry Trail, where you can like visit various bogs along it. New Jersey's got a lot of bogs, too. Apparently, this is just spread out information that I did not know. <laughs> yes. So I thought it would be fun to double honor Wisconsin today by doing sort of a version of the Wisconsin Old Fashioned, which if you're in Wisconsin, you just call it an Old Fashioned. But we're going to do it with cranberry sauce. I'm here for it. And listen, you can buy it if you want, but I'm going to encourage you in the spirit of the way Wisconsin folks like to make their old fashions to make your own because you can really customize it. Homemade cranberry sauce is amazing. The business. Yes. I love it. And it's so easy to make that it's almost criminal not to. If you love the stuff from a can, that's fine, but that's not really going to work for this cocktail. If you can make simple syrup, you can make the cranberry sauce. Easily. And ooh. I'll tell you how I make it. You do your own thing. Everybody has their own version. So a basic cranberry sauce recipe is like 12 ounces of cranberries, like dump your bag in, a cup of sugar, and a cup of fluid. These are all places where variations take place because mm -hmm. the way I make it, I do half white sugar and half brown sugar. A lot of people use orange juice in lieu of a water like you would right. use for a simple syrup. I use half water and half pomegranate juice. So mine is very rich. And then I also add like a couple of dashes of almond extract. And you just let all that simmer down for a while, like 20, 25 minutes. You want to squish the cranberries as they get soft and let it simmer to a nice thick consistency. Listen, if you want to do that any way you want, you do it any way you want. If you want to use grape juice in it, you want to use just straight water. 
Do you want to put bubblegum extract in it? You do that. <laughs> what, however you want to make your magical cranberry sauce, do it. Once you have your cranberry sauce done and cooled, let it cool. The good news is that this lets us skip some stuff on the prep. We don't have to add sugar or syrup of any kind because it's in there with the fruit. I did like two heaping tablespoons in the bottom of a mixing glass of my cranberry sauce. Mm -hmm. If your cranberry sauce came out super duper thick, you might want to throw some water in there to just get it a little more pliable. And you're going to add a couple of dashes of bitters. Super easy. Give that a muddle. Make sure everything is like pretty consistent. You don't have to go crazy because the sauce is already pretty squishy. And then you're going to add two ounces of brandy in and you're going to give it a good stir. You can shake it if you want, but you don't have to. You can just give it a good stir. <laughs> We're going to dirty dump it into a rocks glass with ice already in it. And I'll tell you, you're going to go, oh, because all of those cranberry skins are going to sit on top of the ice initially. And you're going to be like, this doesn't look great. But then you're going to top it with your choice of mixer. I went with lemon lime. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, it separates your fruity, chunky bits, and they tend to settle on the bottom anyway. So it actually makes a nice gradient once you do this. And then you can stir it up and you're ready to go. You have your, we're calling it a Milwaukee submarine. To do this as a mocktail is super duper easy. You're going to do everything the same, except instead of using brandy, you're going to do two parts of a brown or black tea mm -hmm. with one part white grape juice. And you can just stir those together. If you really want to like super incorporate them, you could simmer them together for a minute, but you don't have to. And that's how you're going to do that. And otherwise, it's exactly the same. If you want to skip bitters because you absolutely do zero, zero alcohol, you can do that trick we mentioned recently where you throw in a couple of dashes of salt water or you can skip it entirely. There's tons of flavor. Also, depending on what you've put in your cranberry sauce, how you've seasoned it, you may be like, I don't need bitters. Thank right. you. Since they are tart already, you may have what you want going on. This has been me talking way too much about alcohol in Wisconsin. But <laughs> listen, that's a that's a, a lush and rich history. Now we all know the special old fashioned belongs to Wisconsin. Yes. Yes, they like a very fruity old fashioned with all of your fruit within it. So you're getting it's very healthy. It's like a salad. It's not salad. There's nothing like a salad. Responsibly. Oh, don't, don't, don't claim that it's healthy. But hopefully if you make it, it's fun. And also, this is just a good example, though, too, of how cocktails can totally be played with. I would love to do this exactly the way you would make a cranberry sauce, but do it with blueberries instead and get a whole other thing going on. And why not, right? Especially if you season it with some fun stuff along the mm -hmm. way, you could get something really rich and interesting. Play with your drinks. That's how you find out what you love the most. I love the choose-your-own-adventure cocktails. Oh, they're my favorites. Because everybody has a different palate, and that's the beauty mm -hmm. of it. We hope if you make this, it is a wild success and you can claim it as your special version. We are very grateful that you spent this time with us. We will be right back here next week with another story of coercion and the concoction to match it. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.